Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for April 24th, 2016. Koyo Kobose here. So very glad you joined us. Well, uh, it's been in the news that around this time is Earth Day. Uh, and several themes uh, similar to that right around this time of the year. But I mentioned that, um, you know, Earth Day, as one of the articles mentioned, um, came about when someone saw the picture of the Earth from outer space that the astronauts sent back to see an actual picture of that blue marble. visual to see where we live on this planet Earth in the against the backdrop of immense space, dark space and uh, our vulnerability and the phrase um, spaceship Earth. You know, there's this is our home. This is our, when you're on a spaceship, you, you don't have any other resources. This is your home. And uh, they even use that photo, I understand, to make a flag. And they put an earth flag, you know, all these symbols to remind us um, that we've got to take care of this planet to have everything sustainable on this spaceship earth and I was I was always remembering just a personal note but back in the early 60s I was playing um, uh, kind of a word game with a friend and could we mention a word that we knew the meaning of, but person, could we stump them with what with uh, with the word that they they did not know of? And one of the words that I won with was ecology. This shows that that was not in the mainstream yet at that time. It was not a common word, ecology. Now everybody knows what ecology means, the environment and taking care of physical surroundings and environment. And I have a Dharma friend who uh, is a Buddhist minister up in Seattle. He was one of the earliest Buddhist ministers who really resonated to ecology and this was his sort of a special interest the dharma of ecology or what you you might call green Buddhism and uh, he said that the Buddhist teachings are so compatible with this emphasis on nature 
because when we say nature, we're talking about interdependency, aren't we? Um, and it was quite prevalent, and to some extent it still is, where uh, greedy <laughs> corporations or business or, you know, um, use nature, conquer nature. Nature's here to be used. That kind of an attitude by business, industry, and individuals, you know, the exact opposite of ecology. Go for short-term gain, sort of, <laughs> to use a strong word, rape the earth, take its natural resources, uh, do strip mining, do pollute the ocean, and, uh, you know, we cannot exactly blame that attitude. Uh, it was a, of the times because ages ago, maybe it seemed like the ocean purified everything. The whole increase in population creeps up on us. And I remember, too, uh, Paul Ehrlich was uh, uh, in the 60s. He was an author that talked about the population explosion and that this per this is a major factor in creating a lot of problems for mankind. Too many people on Earth using up all the resources. We've got to be aware of this. Um, and to change our attitude that you got to take care of nature, not abuse nature. Uh, and this is part of what ecology is all about. And, of course, Rachel Carson, Silent Spring, is one of the earliest pioneers that talking about this whole change in attitude that has come about. And we've come a long way, and we've got a long way to go, too. But as I was saying, my, my Dharma colleague, he really, uh, well, his niche was echo sanghas. He started a movement where he would, uh, you know, form a communication network with other Buddhists and other temples and so forth, um, kind of a, a special interest topic in terms of the co-sanghas. Um, and he's written on this, and he's quite knowledgeable and, uh, of, the, of this specialty, and, his, and I heavily admire him for his work in this area. And, you know, the sacred bounds of nature, sacred depths of nature, When he says things like uh, green, green Buddhism, he said he thinks that's a that's a, a redundancy. I mean, it's when we say talk about Buddhism or a green Buddha or whatever, you know, um, dependency is right there. And in fact, one of the classic uh, Buddha images is uh, of a seated Buddha, and one hand is up, and one and the other hand is on his knee with his finger pointing down and that finger pointing down means he's pointing to the earth 
so this it was in another context perhaps. One one where at Buddha's time a lot of people this was for for truth seekers who got a very basic insight into teachings about the reality of life uh, and they, they studied under teachers that was the practice and if they became accomplished and they became a teacher you know, right at that beginning time there they would often be asked well who's your witness if someone says you know hey, I I have had these spiritual experiences and so forth. And they would say, well, who's your witness? Or well, how is that transmission? Who verifies the validity of your experience and so forth? Um, and so when the Buddha was asked, who's your witness? It is said that he pointed to the earth and he says, the earth is my witness. We could read into the heavy emphasis of nature in Buddhism and the Dharma. The word naturalness uh, has a special meaning, not just the ordinary meaning of naturalness. Um, has much deeper meaning of in Buddhism. So I just wanted to mention that of the season when we're talking about Earth Day. There's Dharma teachings in there. Well, today I'd like to introduce our guest who's going to give us a Dharma glimpse. His name is Jeff Wayo. And it's our practice, I might mention, when we introduce our guests to use their first name and then their Dharma name. And just in case, most of the, every all of our speakers they don't mind their full name being used, but that's we adopted that policy in case, you know, well for privacy perhaps. Okay. And um, but Jeff Wyo, Wyo, W A Yo, of course, is the Don Son. This is our lineage, our Yo lineage. Uh, the Wa for Jeff is uh, peace. So his Dharma name means peaceful son. And there's some various reasons for this. Of course, when he was in the lay minister program, we get to know our participants over the two-year period, and they're given a Dharma name uh, just before their in, induction as a Brighton lay minister. And he lives in, he was part of the LM3 group. So they started in 2008 and, and finished in 2010. Uh, he lives, lived then, and still lives in Arkansas. And I think he's the only person in Arkansas. You know, Adrian made a nice uh, uh, outline of the United States and the different states, state boundaries, and put pins where our Brighton lay ministers live. And so you could see right at a glance how they're scattered across the different parts of the country. And I'm pretty sure that Jeff Wyo is the only one living in Arkansas. But I'm, I remember one time he mentioned when there's a talk about Bible Belt, he says where he lives 
it's the buckle of the Bible Belt. But uh, check a lot on that. So, without further ado, let me ask Jeff Weil for his Dharma Glimpse. Today, I would like to talk about me. Not myself personally, but the all capital letters, italicized, bold me that seems to be so pervasive in society today. Consider not long ago, within the last few years, I think, the term selfie was actually placed in the dictionary. For years, centuries even, painters or photographers would participate in the self-portrait, but that stood on some artistic merit. Today, it seems many engage in this ego fest. We all use social media, myself included, but have you ever seriously considered the rationale behind it? Yes, we use it to catch up with old friends, find new ones, promote our various causes, but it it also serves as a crutch for our egos. How many of us have posted something on Facebook, then checked back rather quickly to see how many likes or comments it had? Humanity is spreading pictures of themselves performing the most mundane tasks. Once television, it it brought us the news and and actual actors telling stories. Now so much of it seems to be opportunities for individuals to brag about themselves. I can't honestly say which begat the other. Has the culture of self-centeredness caused this media outflow? Or was it the other way around? Either way, we should take note. The world cannot be moving into a good place with all of this me going around. I suppose these things, television, internet, Facebook, all that, they can be entertaining. They're distractions. But we should examine the consequences. Children aren't being read to. How many dreams are being forgotten as we madly dash to feed the ego. We know from our teachings in the Dharma of the pitfalls of the ego. If we continue to feed the beast, where will it take us? Sure, go out, have fun. Take a selfie of what you're enjoying. But don't forget to turn that camera around and see the others in your life, what they contribute, and how they make you what you are. It is that weave of interconnectedness that truly is life. When you can shed some of the me and replace it with we, then you experience the Dharma in action. And those are the thoughts I wish to share with you today. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. It's very relevant when we talk about the modern technology and social phenomena and uh, it's easy, so easy to, I think, you know, go along and you get caught up in that current um, and uh, it is nice to pause and say, hey, <laughs> uh, everybody has, you know, personal blogs and you know, counting the number of likes and social media, jeez, and you wonder about, I know that there are two kinds of people when it comes to taking photographs. This was before computers, but 
just when you go on vacation or you get together and you take a photograph, um, you know, take a group photograph or photograph of some uh, vacation spots and everything. What is the purpose of taking family photographs? Um, is it to preserve a moment that was important to you? Probably. And, of course, we have albums that, you know, uh, but most of the time I don't think we go back and look at those photos too much. The other camp of people, uh, they just put up with the fact that these photos are taken and they say, no, let's just live life and enjoy the moment. We don't have to preserve it. You know, I'm not saying what's what's better or what's correct here, but uh, I could see both sides. Sometimes you're so concerned about, okay, we got to this uh, this scenic viewpoint. Let's get let's get the picture. The attitude is preserve this for posterity, you know, and so forth. And you don't. It sort of it could it could detract from the fact that take a look at this scenic viewpoint fully in that moment, okay? rather than the priority being to take a picture of it and yourself in it and so forth. I don't know whether this is just for one's own photo album and memory of it or so that you could show others where you've been and so forth. Um, Nothing wrong with those things, but the idea of really being able to share, not necessarily share, but be aware of others' interdependency, and as uh, Jeff Wyo mentioned, hey, turn your camera around. Look at the people uh, that are important in your life. You don't have to preserve them in a photo, really. A camera in your head to look out and to see. And then when you see, hopefully you would say, hey, I... Family is important. Friends are important. And the sense of gratitude that of that interdependency. And I and I always remember, well, uh, you know, gratitude is a tremendous thing. And gratitude means beyond yourself, things, objects, other people. Huh? Uh, so in a sense, gratitude is the opposite of a selfie, the opposite of self-concern. Gratitude is, you know, because you're not usually grateful for yourself. Gratitude means you're looking outward in a good way to what's, for what's resonating in your heart. And I read someplace that uh, a grateful person never has any mental problems that's a pretty strong statement that says that self, excessive self-concern is what creates mental problems. 
maybe a whole book could be written on that, and I, I think we could understand what they're talking about there. But that if you're grateful, and I remember one of my father's, uh, Reverend Guillaume Kubos's statements is, the grateful life is the spiritual life. So gratitude is a key component of a joyful, contented life. And I know that there's gratitude journals. I know that people like Oprah uh, emphasize keeping a gratitude journal. And some people, they just, I know that they have a hard time when we do exercises to become more aware of, of gratitude. Gratitude for so many, not just for gratitude, well, for the food. <laughs> and it's grateful f- for things. Not grateful to, but grateful for. This was pointed out to me once by a, well, a former Christian who became a Buddhist. <laughs> but he said, when the word grateful, it struck him that in his Christian upbringing, he was always grateful to, grateful to God. Okay. Whereas he learned that in Buddhism, the emphasis on grateful for, grateful for this, grateful for that. Well, of course, grateful for people too in his life, but grateful for everything, okay. all kinds of things. Even grateful for unfortunate events because many times it's because of those unfortunate events that we learn about to appreciate the opposites. It's because of illness that we can appreciate good health. Uh, It's because of the fleeting nature of beautiful things that they don't last forever that we can really appreciate them. It's because your loved ones won't always be around, or I, or you, as an individual, won't always be around, and we better love each other, our family members. We're not going to live forever. These are precious moments that will never be repeated. So, I think behind this selfie phenomena, pointing back, maybe it has to go to to a certain Sort of like a ball has to hit the bottom before it bounces up. Uh, it has a certain course or a certain cycle. Okay? And uh, not like, well, I was watching the Race for the White House, which is a TV show that they talk about past presidential elections and one about Kennedy, uh, JFK against Nixon and, you know, and JFK was inaugurated as president. One of his, his um, memorable lines was, ask not what you can do for you, but ask what you can do for the country. Okay. And then, of course, his relative Shriver uh, started the Peace Corps and you know, life of service and things like this. Uh, it makes for a much richer, deeper life. So this is something to think about. Thank you very much. Now, I want to finish off the humorous signs. We had we had puns before, and on the light note, that religious 
topics and talks and events don't have to be super serious and over serious. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I have three humorous signs. Okay. The first one is the sign in front of a funeral home. Drive carefully. We'll wait. Don't forget to sign at a Chicago radiator shop. And the best one for last is the sign on the back of another septic tank truck. Caution, this truck is full of political promises. <laughs> That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. Keep going, get it? And you have a very beautiful day. Thank you. <laughs>